Well, good morning, Encounter Church. I encourage you and invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. If you're not exactly sure where that's at in the Bible, uh, that's okay. Uh, you'll find it there toward the end of the Bible. As you'll notice, even just look up here at the Bible here on the, on the pulpit, you'll see there's a lot of Bible in front of the book of Acts. Uh, so make your way toward the back. Uh, you might find Matthew, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And after that is the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13 is where we will be spending our time. I'll read beginning in verse 26 through 39, Acts chapter 13, and so go ahead and find your way there. As you are, just to let you know, my name's Michael, one of the pastors here at Encounter Church, and it's a joy to be able to open God's word with you this morning. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 26. We learn, fellow children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross, they laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. And we tell you the good news that when what God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it also stated elsewhere, you will... You will not let your Holy One see decay. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. There are different ways that we go about signifying and visualizing the importance of keeping a promise. Right? Maybe in the good old days, some of you are familiar with the certainty of a handshake, that a handshake would have been enough to affirm or confirm your word, your promise. Those of us who are maybe a bit younger, maybe you remember it was a pinky swear, right? As long as you didn't have your fingers crossed around behind your back, it was a pinky swear saying, I'm good. I promise this. 
Some, maybe after leaving the home, going off to college or entering into their 20s, maybe they're trying to make some sort of promise in their life, and so they get a tattoo, right? How many, no, I, I don't have to ask you, but how many, yeah, some of us, right? Not, not us, but some of us have gotten tattoos, right? To confirm some sort of promise, some sort of commitment, maybe that we're making. Maybe you're familiar with a, a certificate, some type of legal document that says, I'll keep my word. It's something to signify and visualize the importance of keeping a promise. It's the wedding ring where words of promise are spoken. And the wedding ring then is a way of displaying and demonstrating that promise. Even monuments have been built as a means of confirming, of visualizing what has been promised. You even think about in Scripture, God has even provided us with signs and reminders that point to His promise-keeping. In the Old Testament, we saw how He would instruct them to stack stones on top of each other so that when you pass this way, you'll remember what I've done for you. We even think of the many festivals, the many feasts of the Old Testament that remind them of God's faithfulness, of His promises to them. Even on a stormy day like today, as the sun this afternoon, Lord willing, will break through those clouds, you you might even see a rainbow. That again is a display. It is a sign of the covenant, God says, that I'm making between Himself and us and every living creature. He tells us there in Genesis that He's making it a covenant for all all generations to come. And so we see that there are different ways in which we display our commitments, our promises, and there's different ways that God displays His commitments and His promises to us. Well, this morning, as we continue through our teaching series on the book of Acts, we've been in this now for close to four months, we've been traveling through the book of Acts, and we've been seeing how the good news of Jesus' resurrection has been spreading, and it's been spreading through eyewitnesses. Again, that's before viral videos, as we all know. That's before text messaging and tweeting. It was spread through the word of mouth of eyewitnesses who saw Jesus walk out of that tomb who saw Jesus in a living and a resurrected state after raising again from the dead on that third day. Even this morning as I was preparing the sermon, I I almost felt like I was preparing for another Easter Sunday morning message. Because here we see, and last week as we learned as a church, Right, Paul and Barnabas were called out of the congregation to go and and spread this message of a risen Savior beyond the territory, beyond the walls of Jerusalem, beyond the, the church there in Antioch. But they were going to be sent on these missionary journeys. And we see that the message that Paul is taking is that Jesus is alive. And to believe in the fact that Jesus is alive, that changes everything. It changed everything for them. 
It changes everything for those of us who have believed. And if you've never believed in a risen Savior, if you've never trusted in Jesus, it can change everything for you too. This morning, we're going to see in these few verses, in this brief time that I have as we open God's word, the primary point, the big idea is this, is that the resurrection declares that God is faithful to his promises. That the resurrection declares that, that, Paul, that God is faithful to his promises. Again, Paul is being sent out Paul and Barnabas, they're going on this missionary journey. And, and the one theme, the one thing that they want to tell other people is that Jesus is alive and that changes everything. I've, as I was thinking about this and reading through the book of Acts, even during this study, I have been reminded how often I fail to remember that ultimately when it all boils down to it, that needs to be a primary theme of my life is that Jesus is alive and it changes everything. I've been reminded how often I neglect that joy-filled responsibility of telling other people the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. There's a lot of other messages, there's a lot of other themes that I can tend to talk about, that I can allow my mind to tend to dwell on, and sadly, oftentimes, I don't think about Jesus' resurrection enough. So here we find this morning the Apostle Paul, that's his primary theme as he goes about on this missionary journey. I want to turn our attention specifically, then again, starting again in verse 26, looking there in verse 32. I want us to see how the resurrection declares that God is faithful to his promises, that ultimately the resurrection, that, that, that if you ever find yourself doubting God's promises, he's going to say, just look at the fact that Jesus is alive and, and, and you'll be reminded that God fulfills all of his promises. It, a, an important context here is that you have to understand Paul is speaking. We might even say this is a sermon that Paul is giving, that Paul is preaching in a, a Jewish synagogue there on a Sabbath day that he had been invited in. It's interesting how uh, Paul was trained under a very prominent rabbi. We learned that earlier in the book of Acts. He was trained under this prominent rabbi by the name of Gamaliel. And so Paul was, would have been somewhat known, right? There would have been some credibility for his Jewishness, for his, his intellect and his scholarly understanding of, of Jewish law. So, but, but here we, we know that Paul at this point in his life, he's been changed. He's believed in the resurrected Savior. And so now he's, he's continuing on with all of that Old Testament truth. And he's helping these Jewish people to see that all the Old Testament, what does it do? It points to this man, Jesus. That all of that Old Testament, it's pointing to a Messiah. And Jesus is the Messiah. And so you almost wonder as these Jews, they, they invited him in, the, pa the passage tells us. They invited him to share with them. You almost wonder if they really knew what they were getting, if they really knew what they were asking for, because here's, here's Paul, who's got all these credentials, being trained under this prominent rabbi, and what's he going to do? He's going to step in there, and what, he's going to tell them about what? He's going to tell them about Jesus. So we see, though, here in these verses, he's going to emphasize, he's going to say all the promises of the Old Testament they point to this resurrection. 
And because of that resurrection, we can believe that God is faithful to his promises. So let's look again there at verse 26. It says, fellow children of Abraham. He's speaking to these Jewish people, children of Abraham. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles. So there would have been some Gentiles maybe on the outer, outer area listening in. He says, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. So Paul is telling them, he's saying, these, these promises, you hear these promises every Sabbath day. It's being read to you, but yet, but yet your eyes are blind to it. You're not recognizing that Jesus is the one who fulfills these promises. There in verse 28 then, he says, though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him or Jesus executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross, they laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. There's the theme, right, that we've been talking about. We are witnesses, eyewitnesses of this resurrected Jesus. And look at this then. He says they are witnesses to our people. They're witnessing to who? Paul is identifying himself with the Jewish people here. He says they're witnesses to our people, the Jewish people, the ones who, who are the chosen people. Witnesses to us. What are they witnessing? He says, we tell you the good news. What God promised, there it is. What God promised our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us, their children. How? By raising up Jesus the resurrection. He says all of those Old Testament prophets are fulfilled in the resurrection. In Acts, the resurrection of Jesus is the climax of God's saving purposes. And it is on the basis of the resurrection that the blessing of salvation is then offered to everyone. The Jewish people there who are there in the synagogue listening, they have that opportunity to believe in this Jesus. The Gentiles who are maybe leaning in a window and listening in as well, they have the opportunity to believe in this Jesus. You might even say that the resurrection is the signature of God's promises. Church, if you ever find yourself questioning God's promises, all you need to do is to look at the empty tomb. You can have confidence in knowing that God's promises are true. We see that the resurrection, Paul tells us, that the resurrection declares that God is faithful to his promise. The great promise that is fulfilled in Jesus' resurrection is that of salvation. And we go on then in verses 38 and 39, we see it. He says, therefore, my friends... I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification that you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Church, I wonder, is there a sin? Is there a temptation? 
that's holding you hostage? Is there this struggle in your life that you just can't seem to shake free? The offer of salvation is this. There in verse 39, and maybe church, if you struggle with a particular temptation or sin, maybe this is a verse that you need to underline and even hide in your heart, memorize it. Because it says, through him, through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Boy, isn't that a nice word to hear? Every sin. Such, su- such a, a hopeful word for us. Is that whatever that struggle is, whatever that temptation is that, that seems to, to keep coming your way or knocking at, your, at the door of your heart, or whatever that pitfall is that you seem to always be falling into, is that it falls underneath this jurisdiction of every sin you can be set free from. And this salvation then, these promises are only received by faith and believing in Jesus. There at the end of verse 39, he says there's a justification, there's a forgiveness that is not that you cannot obtain, you cannot apprehend through good works. So oftentimes, many of us, we try to earn our way to heaven, don't we? We think, well, okay, well, maybe this week I'll do something good for that, that, that nice widow lady down the street. Or maybe this week I'll put a little bit more money in the offering plate. Maybe that'll convince God to love me a little bit more. Paul says that the only way that you can obtain this salvation is by believing in Jesus' resurrection. Now, it's also important to remember, because oftentimes when we think about God's promises, we tend to allow the pendulum to swing to the positive, don't we? We think, oh, I love God's promises. He is faithful. He is true to God's promises. But Paul kind of wants to pump the brakes here a little bit for us, because he's going to address those who have yet to believe in the risen Savior. And here's how he addresses them. He, he reminds us, because it's important to remember that the God who keeps his promises, the good promises that we like to think about, we need to remember that the same God who keeps his promises is also the same God who is going to carry through in his warnings. Paul's sermon gives abundant evidence that God faithfully kept his gracious promises to send Jesus as the Savior of all who will believe in him. We see that the word of this salvation is sent to you, he tells us in verse 26. We see that through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you there in verse 38. We see that through him, everyone who believes is justified in God's sight, verse 39. We see that the shackles of that sin, we are set free from it. And those are the good things, but also... Paul continues, he says, all who scoff at God, all who scoff or ignore this reality of Jesus' resurrection will one day be held accountable. And and this puts us then into verse verse 40. Go ahead and look in your Bibles there. He says, take care that what the prophet has said does not happen to you. He says, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish 
for I'm going to do something in your days that would never that you would never believe, even if someone told you. No, I want you to understand, right? If, if you pull that out of context, you might think that God's going to do something amazing, something that you want, so, right? right? You might say, well, God is going to do something in my day that's, that, that even with my own eyes, I'd never even believe. I wouldn't be able to think this up. But this is, this is a warning of, of coming judgment is what it is. Okay, so don't make this your life voice or your, your life verse, all right? right? Like, don't get this one tattooed onto your arm just for all you 20-somethings who want a tattoo. This is, right, cross this one off. Because he's, he's warning he is saying in the same way that God is faithful to his gracious and good promises, and we know he's faithful in that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ at the same time, he's drawing that warning line. He's drawing that line. He's saying for those who, have, who scoff or ignore, we might say in today's language, who shrug their shoulders at Jesus' resurrection. He's saying watch out. Because God is faithful to his warnings too. And we have to remember that Paul was preaching to a religious audience. Again, he's in the synagogue. He's there with Jewish listeners who would have been relying very heavily on their works. He's preaching to a religious audience. Everyone present would have certainly said, yes, I believe in God. I believe in in, in, in the God of, of our father Abraham. But Paul is helping them to see here's, here's the missing link. Is that you're failing to believe that his promises are fulfilled in Jesus. Right? To, to only believe in the promises of the Old Testament and, and to not believe in the promise that they're fulfilled in Jesus, you're, you're only halfway there. And that's not enough. For it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we enter into, we are welcomed into God's presence. So this morning, as Paul helps us to understand, he says the sign that God is faithful to his promises is the resurrection. That is the, that's the pinnacle. That's the climax. That's the epitome. That's what we're looking toward to remind us that God is faithful to his promises, look to the resurrection. And so this morning I ask you this question. Do you believe in Jesus' resurrection? Do you believe the eyewitness accounts of those early believers as they've been recorded for us in Scripture? H have you taken time to study and understand the logical explanations of why the tomb is empty? I can assure you, church, that if Jesus, if someone found Jesus' tomb and there was actually, there were bones in it, it would become the number one tourist destination in the world, right? Like, I'm going to go and try to find a, a, a house to buy, to rent it out as an Airbnb, because everyone's going to want to go there and see this. But you can't. It's, they're, they're, they're not there. The tomb is, is empty, do you believe the testimonies of others, the testimonies that even this morning we are going to share in together as a church of those whose lives have been changed by a risen Savior? You see, if you believe in the resurrection, then you can be certain that God will faithfully follow through with his every promise. Now, this morning, we, we are all 
we are all aware that it's Baptism Sunday. Like Michael Faye did such a good job pointing out, we typically don't have a hot tub in here during any time except for baptism. And again, it's, it's also baptism and sugar Sunday with donuts and cake. It's just a, a wonderful time of celebration, right? So we're aware that it's baptism Sunday. This is a, it's a time of great excitement as we witness seven individuals publicly declaring their faith in Christ Jesus. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward commitment that we are following Jesus. And what's very, what's I think this is, this is helpful for us to recognize here in the book of Acts. We've, we've already come to understand how important the theme, the subject of Jesus' resurrection is in the book of Acts. That is indeed the theme that runs through. All, I mean, that is their primary message. That is our primary message. But maybe you've noticed that as we've been studying the book of Acts, another important topic, another subject that keeps coming up is that of baptism. Is that those who believed, what did they do? They immediately, they took them down to the river. They took them to the waters and they dunked them. They, they, they baptized them. Why? Why is baptism consistently repeated throughout the book of Acts? Why is it that time and time again, these new believers were baptized? Here's why. It's because the significance of baptism is it's, it's a way of identifying ourselves with Jesus' death, burial, and his what? His resurrection. His resurrection. See, when, when someone says, when, when these individuals, when they are baptized here in just a few moments, that, that is an outward sign of an inward promise of a commitment that they have made. And the practical truth is now that they are saying publicly, I am dying to my old way of living, and I'm now being raised into a new way of living for Jesus. And the practical truth is that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're dying to the power, the rule, the enslavement, the mastery of that old taskmaster called sin. And because of Jesus Christ, as we learned here in our text, sin has now been rendered inoperative. The, right, the rug of its power has been pulled out from underneath it because Jesus has overcome that sin. And our faith is in Jesus' resurrection. Our faith is in His finished work that has now brought us into this vital, eternal New covenant union with Christ Jesus. And so, now this kind of hit me yesterday as I was mowing, all right? I do some of my best, I do my best thinking when I'm not behind a desk or a computer. And I thought it only makes sense then that the resurrection would be such a dynamic theme that runs throughout the book of Acts because Jesus' resurrection is such an important theme. Again, in the book of Acts, baptism was an expected response for the new believer in the book of Acts. The book of Acts does not know, it, it, is, it is unfamiliar with an unbaptized believer. In fact, to say that we believe in Jesus' resurrection and yet to not get baptized 
would be like to stand up at a wedding ceremony and to say, I do, and in our culture, than to refuse to wear your wedding ring. Again, we have all of these different signs of our promises, of our commitments. Baptism. So for the seven of you who are getting baptized here in just a few minutes, what you're saying is you're entering into these waters, committing yourself, identifying yourself with Jesus' burial, death, burial, and then his resurrection And you're coming out and you are saying, I promise with God's help to live my life for this resurrected Jesus. Baptism baptism is a sign of the promise. It shows the world God's promises in Jesus' resurrection. And it shows the world of our promise to believe And live for him because of that. For those of you who are getting baptized, you are now encouraged to go and prepare yourself. Go and get changed and get ready for this important sign that you are stepping into. And then for the rest of us here, I would just invite those who have never believed in Jesus Christ to make today the day of your salvation. That if if you've been teetering there with it, that maybe the Holy Spirit is nudging you in such a way to where you would say, okay, I get it now. It all clicks. Jesus is alive. And he's the only way who can, only one who can forgive me of my sins and enter into that salvation. Let me just pray for you right now. God, I pray uh, for those this morning who are sitting here and who have never believed. God, maybe they are like uh, those religious people sitting there in the synagogue who certainly uh, believed in believed in you, believed that you were there, that you exist, but yet have failed to believe in your means of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit in these quiet moments now would draw their hearts to yourself, that you would convince them of Jesus' resurrection, God, that you would convince them of their need for you as their Savior. Father, that you would convince them to understand that there's no way that they can earn their way to heaven. And so, Lord, I pray that even in these moments, in this moment right now, that in their heart, they would turn to you and that they would believe. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.